Welcome to Pickle Me This, the officially unofficial podcast for Rick and Morty on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm Aaron. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we're covering Season 3, Episode 3, Pickle Rick! Here's Aaron with the recap. Morty in Summer School has advised Beth that her kids need therapy after some glaze huffing and pants pissing issues has caused concern. Everyone is on board except for Rick, who has transformed himself into a pickle as an excuse not to attend. Pickle Rick finds himself flushed down a sewer where he has to fight both rats and roaches for supremacy, constructing an elaborate exo frame for his pickle from their corpses and bits of trash in the process. Emerging from the nearest toilet, he finds himself embroiled in international intrigue as the crapper happened to be housed in some sort of Russian embassy or spy agency. Rick has to fight waves of henchmen and an enigmatic killer named Jaguar before finally escaping in a helicopter as the compound explodes. Back at the therapist's office, the Smith family learns how to communicate non-violently and begin to work through their many issues when Pickle Rick, exhausted from his day, crashes the session, engages in brutal verbal combat with the therapist, and seemingly reverses all therapeutic progress the family has made. Before we get into the episode, uh, there's actually some Rick and Morty news Uh, A couple days ago, which will be almost a week by the time this thing airs, uh, Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon announced on the official Rick and Morty Twitter that they're having a contest. It's all set up to benefit a a charity. Uh, They say that your donation supports Next for Autism and Bergen County's United Way, helping to transform the national landscape of services for people with autism. Um, I know that's something of a bugaboo with, not a bugaboo, it's something that that Dan cares a lot about a neurotypical people. I think Justin feels the same way. So that's why they're picking that uh, charity. Um, And, you know, like a dollar is essentially one entry. Um, And if you give more, you get extra entries and you can also uh, get some cool Rick and Morty rewards. I actually snagged one of the last of the uh, pickle Rick with the power Omega laser pop funko <laughs> figures um i'm not holding that hope so i think it's probably a slim chance that we get it's, it it's a slim chance but you know on the finite uh, curve of bald move reality oh, yeah actually we just guaranteed we got it in one universe that's right we just have to i just i just have to steer my consciousness towards that light uh to find even if out. you hadn't have done it we still would have gotten it uh in, in one of the dimensions so the prize is uh you get drawn into an episode of rick and morty uh so i don't know if that means they'll use your likeness uh if they might i don't know if they'll use your voice but uh, you'll be drawn into a future episode which is cool enough but you also win as part of that a trip to la so you can meet justin and dan a tour of the rick and morty production studio uh the in the video accompanying this uh, justin says we're a real hoot to be around so probably will be will be fun if you're a rick and morty fan uh i can't imagine this wouldn't be a dream come true all right jim episode 303 pickle rick instant internet classic what'd Mm -hmm. you think yeah you you summed it up instant internet classic i mean nobody forgets pickle rick once they've seen it uh but i feel like they forget half of this episode (laughs) the therapy session and it's all just about pickle rick yeah uh well i don't know i was reading around a lot of reviews and i i find it funny when people focus on the pickle rick part because clearly the meat of this episode in my mind is the therapy session uh but i mean it's just so much fun pickle per pickle rick is great you know what's fun it would be interesting and you never know how this stuff is going because i was just looking uh online and there's so much pickle rick Mm -hmm. merchandise there's plushies there's funko pop figures there's just an amazing array of pickle rick products uh do you know how, like, Spongebob in the 2000s kind of became a gay icon? Uh-huh. I wonder, like, if, like, Pickle Rick could be, like, a secret, like, pro-therapy uh, thing. okay. Because just to, just to bank on that. Like, it's it's subtle. Yeah. Like, you see a Pickle pickle Rick on your car. It's like, oh, yeah, that, that person sees the value of, of, of therapy. I 50 years from now therapists like they're when they hang their shingle out there's just gonna be a picture of a pickle on yeah, it yeah yeah like doctors oh that's have, a therapist okay yeah, it's, it's like why not because doctors have this weird association with some kind of egyptian staff that's got wings uh-huh. and it's got serpents and who the fuck knows how that happened <laughs> yeah i could see like 200 years from now just you just have a anthropomorphic pickle and oh yeah that's a psychotherapy yeah 
I mean, there's so much to love about this episode. You've got the pickle part, like, that contains at least three completely jaw-dropping and hilarious action sequences. Yes. Rick versus the Rat Gang. Rick versus the Thugs, where he's just sawing him in half with that laser. Rick versus Jaguar. Uh, And then Rick... Uh, and the therapist dueling monologues at the end are some of the series' finest writing. Like, it's just mm-hmm. because you just, you know, Rick just devastates this therapist, and you think, well, that's it, smoking crater. And then she comes back and nonviolently hands him his ass. Uh, yeah. I, I, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great, you know, easy top five episode of Rick and Morty. And then it's got tie ins to other episodes, I think. I, I, Hmm. What I think we're supposed to realize here is that Mr. Goldenfolds, Goldenfold is in the therapist's office for eating shit. Yeah. Because in a previous episode, when the world went to shit because of the Federation took over, Lives he was the in sewers. the underground resistance living in the sewers. I had that as a... He must have been eating shit that time, right? I, I forgot about the fact that he lived down in the sewers. I thought maybe right. this is some kind of weird post-traumatic stress of like fighting off this alien invasion and all the stress and all that kind of stuff, but... Maybe he just had to eat shit to survive, and now yeah. he's like acquired a taste for it. And, and it's it, there's another you know small mention when Rick's talking to the rat, and he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna go back up, and I'm gonna shit so you can eat it." It's kind of like a tie yeah. in there too. Like, yeah, I, I think they're going for something there. And that's exactly why I put it in notes because I feel like there's enough there there that it would be kind of amusing and also kind of tragic and maybe even poignant to have Goldenfold kind of deal with this uh just like you in a uh-huh. background kind of way because yeah <laughs> right. he, he he was leader of the human resistance how do you go back to being a high school math teacher <laughs> the reason a lot of people look up and idolize rick is that he consistently out tony stark's tony stark mm-hmm. like tony stark builds a clanking suit that's good for 30 seconds in a cave with six months and high-tech weapons grade stuff to start with you know, Rick constructs a combat exosuit out of rat and roach parts in like maybe 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And just, I mean, just to him going from like, you know, seeing the roaches and like biting his own lip to get him attracted to Brian and that him doing that, like, like the Conan, the, the Conan, the barbarian thing where the, the buzzard lands on him and he, he tears its neck out. Like that, just the brutal yeah. him him biting its head and ripping its brain case open. And how and, and the demented just old boy raid redemption Ricky O shit. Dude, that that rat fight sequence is amazing. Where he's just It's some seriously impressive animation. Yeah, and very inventive. Like he's got these power mm-hmm. screws, he's got the exacto blades that pop out, and the way he just revels in it. That yeah. that he's he's invented all this like uh, diabolical dialogue. It's that's the funny thing is his whole cold blooded shtick is you're not special to me, and mm-hmm. you know I even though you're larger and have m- very many distinct the whole idea that he's giving this speech to this rat belies the entire speech. Right, they can't understand it. Right, it's <laughs> just, like and, t- and and concepts like a god to yeah. a rat mean nothing. Like, yeah. oh, you prayed to the wrong god. You should have prayed to me. Right. Yeah, it's great. Um, I love the demolition man shit with Danny Trejo. Like, you know, they've got this tortured, I don't know, separatist freedom fighter that they've they've have chained in this basement it's it's sean connor right, the rock, it's the rock it's, yeah it's uh and it's it's you gotta have like anti-matter to stop matter um and then them negotiating over the combat it's such a tropey scene but they spice mm-hmm. it up by having rick be in a pickle <laughs> and the simultaneous like you know because uh, you know we've seen the you know sealing your wound with gunpowder mm-hmm. uh or like in the fargo season when the hanzi sealed it with the that's just like badass like oh he's just gonna take super glue and seal his wound shut uh juxtaposed with rick stapling a piece of pickle from a sandwich and mm-hmm. screaming so- it's it's just it's so good and, and this concept of selenia that that in this like he has stumbled into what is perhaps the perfect intimidation scenario unknowingly right because right. uh, because they have apparently this folklore about a pickle man who who crawls out of bowls of cold bowls of soup to steal the dreams of wasteful children <laughs> yeah. it's it's truly amazing like the the mythology they've constructed but it sounds like something that might come out of some cr- uh-huh. crazy eastern block country that's dealt with famine you know something that the, the, the yeah. parents tell their children to keep them from waste. like we in the west it's like hey 
don't uh, there's children starving in africa you know clean your plate in russia it's uh if you don't finish your your <laughs> your goulash solinya will get you i looked it up solinya apparently means salted snack hmm okay that's apt yeah, I mean, pickle would fill that. That would fit within that category. Yep. Um, and just yeah, him incorporating this like I'm not. I'm not going to steal the children's dreams. I'm going to take their parents. <laughs> and he my, lasers through three guys. And my favorite that the 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 Omega beam powered by the AA batteries. I feel like I've said this like 17 different times across like all the different times we talked about uh, Rick and Morty. But like, there's something about this insanely powerful weapon being powered by AA battery, but it just just charges this smoking spent like it, it it's like a fusion rifle clip or something it's just it's just really cool and satisfying in a very almost kind of it scratches the goonies kind of itch like you know mm-hmm. data and goonies yeah like something he'd come up with um yeah any other oh there's also the other one that i liked with the the fight with jaguar is the time cop jump split that he does uh-huh. between the cubicles yeah, very I mean, this is a cliff notes of action movies yeah. from the era, from like the 80s, 90s. I mean, it's it's a very simple idea, like mm-hmm. take 30 action movies from the, the 80s and 90s and take the best five seconds from them and shove them in this this minute-long clip and yeah. then make one of the characters be some kind of demented Iron Man pickle and uh, or Rat Man, Bone Man, Blood Man pickle. Yeah, both. Yeah, all the above. Uh Anything else for, before we transition into the section that I call Rick being pathetic? No. Uh, 84% of our audience is free to tune out now. Yeah. <laughs> We've talked about the Pickle Rick stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The we, other 16, stick with us. Uh, no, you, you might want to fast forward to Alan Seppenwall because he's a smart dude. Okay, and, yeah. And uh, he's got some good takes too. And uh, he talks about Pickle Rick. And we talk, he talks about Pickle Rick being awesome even. Mm-hmm. Rick being pathetic. One of the things I think I've observed with people I consider smart that, but have maybe lower social IQ is that they think that everyone that's less intelligent than them are just like stupid, like mm. like bone crushingly stupid. And some <laughs> of the subterfuges they they pull on like their friends and family, like like complete. And maybe maybe they don't think they're stupid. Maybe they just don't have any respect, so they don't bother to come up with anything better. But I think this is like the rick's pickle scheme is that to the nth degree mm-hmm. where it's like not only does ev- literally everyone know and a lot of the therapy seems to revolve around the therapist getting everyone to admit the things that they already know but not only does this looks like a transparent attempt to dodge therapy but the whole like suspended syringe with the rube goldberg contraption to cut the string in 10 minutes like it, it's who's he fooling I mean, he's only fooling those who were, are willing themselves to be fooled, like Beth. And it works. I think she's the only one. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it's like one of those things where, like, if it constantly slips your mind, you like, like, like if, if Rick was being legit and, like, he just is constantly slipping his mind important engagements and promises he keeps to his loved ones and friends, like, that even then, it's like that stops becoming an excuse because a person that cared about not hurting people would like come up with a system like writing things down, mm-hmm. getting a fucking smartphone with reminders, like something that if you don't go through those things, then the bottom line is you just don't care. You well, don't care enough to care. I mean, at the end of this episode, you know, she, the the therapist, Dr. Wong, correctly in my mind identifies, you know, Rick's Rick's thing here, which is he doesn't care enough to put in the work, right? right? I mean, he... Like she says, you know, therapy. I have no doubt therapy would bore you to death, uh, and and because it's work, and you have no tolerance for work, which is ironic in an episode where Rick goes through, you know, goes to great lengths. I mean, he's willing to turn himself into a pickle with the possibility of not even being able to get out of that situation, having to kill, you know, hundreds of innocent animals and and goons in order to make it right and. And that's so much work. That is so much work he's doing, and yet it's the it's the kind of work that keeps him from uh, having to do the work he doesn't want to do, right? Yeah, Which is the harder work to him. Like uh, as a dedicated procrastinator myself, yeah, same here. I, I do a sh- yeah. There's a lot of times where you know like something really needs to be cleaned today hmm. because that's what I'm doing instead of the thing I should be doing. Like oh, I got a gleaming bathroom, but that wasn't the problem. The problem was you know I need to write this outline for pickle pickle Rick. Yeah, uh, it, it's because it, it, to your point. 
there's this thing where he rolls out into the driveway and if it doesn't rain rick <laughs> dies and he even realizes yeah. it like how fucking stupid this is that i've done this but nothing it, it's it reminded me a lot of um like uh during the thing where he fragmented time and uh morty's collar got broke so he slaps his on there and he's going through and he's like desperately begging god for mm-hmm. help and as soon as he solves the problem he's like fuck you god this is rick in a nutshell like he has these rock bottom oh my god i can't believe how i've how far i've fallen and, and what's happened to me but the second that like some dumb thing out of his control allows him to you know, if the bra- if the collar didn't glint at just the right time and he sees it, if the rain didn't come right there, he's a goner. Yeah. All that stuff's like, oh, no, nope, I did it again. I'm awesome. I don't have to worry about this. <laughs> right. And the impact on his family, like, I thought it was interesting in the performance and animation, just how, like, sad Morty was when he's going through the charade of, like, yo, flip the pickle over. And you know, just the look on his face when he realizes this is what Rick's done. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, on the ride over there, Morty asking, like, you know, how is this family therapy if dad's not invited and grandpa won't come? Like, just, this is a real <laughs> low point for Morty. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. Especially coming after, you know, when you think about this building off the previous episode of, like, that emotional goodbye he had with Armathy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that was the one, and now he's doing this therapy, and it's super cruel at the end where clearly the kids see value in this process. Oh, man. Yeah. And yet, because their mother is an enabler of this crazy person, no progress is going to be made. Oh, God, it's it's uh, pathos. Um, you also have, um, like, that crazy psychotic speech he gives a jaguar at the end. Okay. You know, About it's like... dimensions uh, and infinite daughters, and yeah. Yeah, it, you know, the, to the, what it was this quote is like, to the extent that love is familiarity over time... Ah my infinite amount of daughters and grandchildren precludes that attachment, you know, or that specialness of that attachment. And Jaguar is kind of like, who is a deeply disturbed and troubled individual himself, no doubt. He's like, okay, good luck with that. Uh It's uh, showing just how much more fucked up Rick is in that regard. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's super interesting to me because, you know, we talk about the consequences of this infinite reality, um, but we don't really talk about them in terms of the family so much. But it's interesting because I think Rick Rick can look at this two ways, right? He he clearly doesn't he doesn't value the version of his family that he currently has because he has infinite versions of the family, which sort of enables him to not care about them, but also not to ever have to like really deal with their history together. Mm-hmm. So like when he disappoints them, when he uh you know, does things that hurt them. He doesn't have to consider that as something he's done wrong because he can always just go get a new family who doesn't know about that stuff and has no history with it and replace them. Right. And, and set the, he can, he can hit the reset button on that relationship anytime he wants. Right. And I feel like that enables him to not think about those mm. consequences. Do you want to talk about therapy kind of like, because that's my next bullet point to therapy stuff. Yeah. Because um, I thought the depiction of therapy and the therapist was really good. And it's so rare to find, you know, usually even in this day when you see therapy depicted on screen, it's always kind of like in a disparaging or, you know, uh, kind of a cringy way. It's like it's like it's it, it's depicted as something that's either ineffective or it's something that if it's effective, it's only weak people that need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this person, uh, this this Doctor Wong, asking smart questions, able to quickly zero in at the heart of the matter. I thought it's great because, like you know, I mean, I'm of the personal belief that if you're seeing a therapist and you're like three to six sessions in. I'm not saying you need to have a breakdown or a breakthrough rather where like everything like the clouds open, but like you should feel like you're, that you're on to something because mm-hmm. if you're not, then, you know, maybe your therapist sucks. Maybe you don't have a good rapport. Maybe you're closed off and this therapist is too timid about, you know, bringing you out of that shell. But like, it's, you, you should see like, this is, this is kind of like a good first visit. Like they're, that she's really zeroing in. She's, she's teaching, uh, the, 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 this family's walking out of the room of nothing else with a skill they didn't have before, mm-hmm. which is able to talk about difficult emotional issues without having that emotions kind of overwhelm the, the conversation and getting sidetracked. And how also this is perceived as an attack by Beth. Yeah. Yeah, to the point where she tells the therapist, fuck you. Also, Summer and Morty, fuck you. <laughs> For dessert. Right. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah. Love, I love that callback. I love that callback. Yeah, she's definitely taking a page out of Rick's book. But yeah, I mean, it's because Wong is cut to the heart of the matter and Beth knows it 
you know, on a subconscious level here, right? Right. She just doesn't want to admit it. And there's that the one of the reasons I think that this is one of the better. I mean, Rick and Morty's got a lot of good writing, but this is one of the better written scenes is because um, I I feel like these are both steel man versions of their respective arguments. Like Rick saying, I just don't respect therapy because if I don't like something, I change it. Mm-hmm. And I think therapy gets people comfortable and stops panicking. And that's, that's like something we value in cattle and chickens, but it's not for me. Um, and her coming back to like, well, you use your capacity and your intelligence to justify your sickness. Because think about that. If I don't like something, I change it. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that Rick likes being covered in rat shit and blood? Does it mean, and if he, even if he likes that, cause he does revel in it, mm-hmm. like it, it's cr- cr- clearly thrilling to, for, for him to be that. Does he like its effect on his family? <laughs> does he like his granddaughter yeah. huffing enamel? Does he like Morty pissing his pants? Does he like, you know, Beth being a, a, a complete mess of a human being. Um, I, I just thought it's, it's, it's great. And the, the, the line, like you said, the whole, the, the boredom of therapy or just maintaining, yeah. you know, like why do we brush our teeth? Why do we wipe our ass? Why do we take a, sh- a shower? And it's interesting too, that like the lack of that is kind of indicative of lack of emotional health. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you, if you called to one of your friends and you found out that they hadn't taken a shower in a month, would you think, oh, they're just trying some like non-shower thing? No, or, they're Howard using it. Yeah, you think it's not good. It's not healthy. Yeah, Jesus Christ, I need to come over there and s- see what's going on because there, there's some bad stuff happening. Yeah. But we we have this weird dichotomy between you know physical health and emotional health. Like no one would uh, criticize a person for being weak to go get a cast on their broken leg, but like, oh, if you gotta fuck and take drugs to get through a day, then you know, fucking man up, pussy. Um, <laughs> right. But it's also, yeah, it's not exciting. It's not adventure. It's it's it's, it's just work. And some people would rather die than work. And that's Rick. Uh, yeah, and and Rick is teaching this to his family, right? I mean, Beth is clearly a product of this this relationship that she's had with her father her yeah. whole life. Um, and it's closed her off emotionally. It might, it might even be the thing that's getting in the way of her and Jerry succeeding. I don't know. Um, I, I have a bit of a hot take here because okay. I heard, I've heard Beth's complex I, I've described. Got, I've got my blast goggles on as an electric complex, um, which is basically like you being in competition for your father's affection with your mother. I, I don't know. We don't know much about this is like Rick's a female wife. Oedipus complex. Kind of? Yes, All it's right. exactly that. Yeah, um, but but it got me thinking. Like, okay, how much of Rick's backstory do we really know? Well, we know that stuff that we think is fake from the season opener, right? Mm-hmm. And, but how much of that is actually fake? We weren't we weren't sure. And Rick's a smart guy, and he probably knows the best way to hide a lie is inside a a, a, a sabo round of truth. You know? Yeah, we were talking about like, oh, you know, how it seems likely that maybe Rick's would go after Rick's who don't invent the portal gun and take him out. Stuff like that. If that actually happened, she could actually not be in competition with her mother, but with herself, like a different version mm. of Beth. Oh, wow. Which how I don't think would there's that... a complex name oh, for that. I've never even thought about how haunting it would be. Because I was talking about Rick. It's like, you know, you talk about the Rickus Rick or the, you know, the simple Rick. Uh-huh. But like if Beth knew that there's a reality where Rick loved her so much that he gave up being this universe spanning conquer terrorist hero uh-huh like that would really fuck with you and, and then and then he was driven to it by the death of that version of her and now nothing she does can measure up to the version the version of beth that he remembers right that's a really fucked up complex right uh pretty sure we don't have a name for that i'm gonna call it the Sichuan complex ah just because it makes sense yeah you can tug on those corners a lot like yeah if Beth, fi- you know, Beth finding out that like Rick is from another dimension and this Rick was dead, killed right after he saved the world from Cronenberg disease, like that would haunt you too. Cause like maybe, yeah. maybe my real father, I would eventually earn his love. But this alien thing that doesn't even see me as anything but a <laughs> second best replacement, like, yeah, that'll fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Beth, uh, Beth is a uh, complicated. It, it, yeah. Wow. That's, that's insane. I wonder. Because, like, the therapist gets the last word, and I was thinking as I was watching this episode for the umpteenth time and thinking about interesting things to say about it, I I, I was thinking about how you could craft a retort to, like, you know, taking care of yourself and your family is work, and some people do it or or don't. Like, could Rick have a pithy? I I guess the only one is, like, the stinger. 
where like Jaguar comes in and saves him from the concerto. Yeah, like, that that's what, is the retort. Yeah, right. Like, well, you don't go to therapy because if you go to therapy and you do healthy things, you don't meet crazy people like Jaguar. But that, but that would then be, you know, the the like you mentioned, Rick taking credit for the universe's randomness, random, yeah, yeah saving of him. Also, would you be? in this diabolical torture chamber if you were the healthiest version of yeah. yourself fair like if you stayed home and played skipbo with the family that night instead of getting into some kind of crazy musical themes <laughs> maniacal adventures uh mm -hmm. but i that's that would be interesting and like with seven seasons to go man i would love to see this therapist come back i love to see her like we talked about like arch nemesis that rick could have like you know evil yeah. morty um zanzorp or whatever uh the stephen colbert character mm -hmm. uh dr wong is uniquely positioned because there's many many villains that can kill rick corporally but she potentially could like kill what rick is you know like if, if she fixed what the whatever is broken inside him or got him to understand that just because the universe is meaningless, that just challenges you to find your own meaning to it. It doesn't mean that you have to necessarily give in to nihilism. I think, you know, and that's one of the, that's also one of the many people, the fears that people have in therapy is that'll change who they are um, instead of like turning them into the best version they're capable of being. And it would be interesting. You know how many times in your life you've changed who you are? Yeah. Every day yeah. you're changing who you are. Yeah. You just want to guide that process. Right. Like into a place that you hopefully uh, prefer the, to the alternative. And I wonder like what would the the best version of Rick might not be the Rick that just stops being a scientist and hangs out and does Legos with his daughter all day. It might sure, be yeah. someone who definitely pays attention to his daughter and loves his family, but also fucking cures cancer or provides the earth with uh cheap clean renewable energy uh ushers mm -hmm. in a golden age of human progress like it doesn't have to be like you stop being a great capital g person uh, yeah it, it would fundamentally change though who the audience relates to right like and it'd be a much less interesting show especially in exactly in a in an episode like pickle rick where everybody is cel celebrating all the things that make rick rick uh through this his pickle form here mm-hmm you have to wonder, like, how would the audience react to a changed Rick, to a better version, quote unquote, of Rick? Mm -hmm. I don't know that that would be a positive reaction. I think the the audience they have very much appreciates the Rick that they have. Yeah, it might be something that you could do, like, in a final season. Like, uh -huh. you know, if, like, yeah. Rick, like but that's going to be their tension. Like, with this many more seasons and uh -huh. the things they clearly want to do with this dynamic, how are they going to keep Rick uh, appealing to the audience they have? I've got some ideas. Maybe we can explore them with uh, Alan Suppenwall here in a bit. Pickle Rick! We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off badass season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre, we're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was, and those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. 
Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Oh boy, Jim. Uh, I'm really excited to have Alan Seppenwall on the podcast. Long-term fans of Bald Move already know this, but Alan's a really big reason that I got into podcasting in the first place. Uh, an early appearance of his on Bill Simmons' podcast got me hooked on Mad Men and Breaking Bad. His Firewall and Iceberg podcast got me excited to talk about television, and the rest is history. Uh, if you don't know, Alan Seppenwall is one of the most popular and well-respected voices in television criticism. He currently serves as the chief TV critic for the Rolling Stone. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Seppenwall. Alan, welcome to the podcast. My pleasure, guys. What we've been doing with uh, the people we've been inviting on for se- season three is kind of get started with your relationship to Rick and Morty. Um, you know, you've got a you, you kind of unique role to all the people we've talked to thus far. And as, as a television critic, you probably were an early a- a- adopter or maybe not. Um, may- maybe like you, the, the, the pilot episode didn't grab you. What, where, where did you kind of jump in on the Rick and Morty time stream? Well, I had been a, a community obsessive for a long time, so whatever Dan Harmon was going to do next, I was very intrigued about. Uh, and I remember really finding the first episode of Rick and Morty funny, but also sort of intention, almost intentionally off-putting mm-hmm. just in how terrible Rick is, both in his behavior, but, you know, even simple things like the belching and the coughing, like just the way that Justin played him. I was a little unsettled by it, and I'm like, okay, I'm laughing here. This is really smart. This is very, like, Back to the Future parody. I, I like where this is going, but do I want to watch 20 minutes of it? And it, it probably took me a few episodes in that first season before I felt fully on board with it, despite the fact that I could tell just, you know, how much cleverness was going on here. Yeah, I was the same way. The, the pilots of shows are always a little rough, uh, and it felt like even the animators sort of settled in after that first episode. Uh but it did, yeah. It felt like you're watching really smart, funny people go out of their way to, like, when when they catch you catching their eye and, and, and laughing with them, they're like, fuck you, you know? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> here's here's a belch. Here's vomit running out of this character's mouth. Like, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty, it was pretty tough. I think, it, I think it's around when we get to the episode where, where uh, Morty is sexually assaulted in the bathroom in mm-hmm. the fantasy land where I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. All right, this is doing something on another level than what I was expecting. I'm going to go along with this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's shifting gears. Um, Pickle Rick is kind of, I, I feel like even amongst the, the creators, they're aware of the fact that it's kind of like, it's it's high watermark culturally. Um, you know, season three was its biggest uh, yet. Um, what is it about Pickle Rick that just immediately grabs people, do you think? I mean, he's Pickle Rick. I, <laughs> I I don't mean to oversimplify it, but the the fact that the main character turns himself into a pickle version of himself and spends the first several minutes of the episode talking about it and saying the phrase, I am Pickle Rick, over and over, you know, words with a K sound are funny. It's, you know, <laughs> things with an exclamation point are funny. So if you go around, it's just fun to say, I am Pickle Rick. And then it's such a stupid idea just an incredibly low concept, high concept kind of, you know, role reversal there. Uh, and what they're able to do with it in this, you know, dead on action movie parody, and then segueing from that into this really heartfelt, you know, serious, you know, psychological analysis of who Rick is. Uh, it's amazing the extreme highs and lows of this episode. Yeah, and I, I thought it's interesting that it seems that they're not just going for like any like an '80s action pastiche. There's also elements, um, and they talked about this in, in some of the episode interviews, where you know, like Dan was inspired by the RV breaking down. The was that four days out episode of four Breaking days Bad? Out yeah, breaking yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where it's like you you have this person who's like you know the audience respects as a, a as a towering intellect and you take everything from them and then see if they can succeed. So it's like it's I think that's one of the reasons that you community did this well as too. It's like they don't just do an episode that's about paintball. They always layer like the references so it's like uh uh like like uh, I don't know some kind of cake. What am I going for? Like a parfait or sundae. So where it's not just chocolate and ice cream. It's you got Die Hard, you got Predator, you got Iron Man, and then you uh, also scoop on the let's talk about therapy. And it's it's just it's it's something that's that's it's satisfying because it doesn't feel like empty calories. 
No, and one of the things that Community was really good at that Key and Peele and, and some other shows are really good at is it's an action movie parody that functions as an amazing animated action story. Like, there's the fight sequences, the whole bit where he's battling the rats, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when he's going up against uh, Danny Trejo in the compound. All of it is really just – if it was being played straight, it would still be really good, but it's a man – in, who's turned himself into a pickle with cybernetic rat arms and legs. Yeah. And this so what's it's also really great about it is how they've established Rick as such a badass at this point that like I think I probably watched this episode four or five, six times before I even started thinking about, wait, how long was he down in that dungeon? Like how how do you go from the one cut? You just it's Rick. He's of course he's gonna have a necklace <laughs> of cockroach brains that he manipulates <laughs> it with his tongue that he's essentially out Tony Stark, Tony Stark, you know, he did it in 30 seconds in a sewer. What took Tony Stark three months in a cave, you know? Yeah. I, I did think about a rewatching it to do this podcast. Like we, we jump from how he initially learns to manipulate the one cockroach brain to suddenly having a whole fully equipped laboratory, you know, and all he needs is the rat carcass to, to complete the look. Um, but I, I buy that Rick would be able to do that, and he would be able to do it in the amount of time it would take for the rest of the family to go to the therapy appointment and be in therapy. Because this whole ordeal can't have lasted very long. The, oh. the timeline is on it. It's late. It's a late afternoon mm-hmm. that, that Rick uh, spins here. Um, I, I also like that. They have a, such a knack of grounding the technology that, um, like, Rick has a paperclip-sized gun that can saw through an entire room, but it fully <laughs> expends a double-A cell. It's like it's sm- like, a, like a smoking plasma charge ejecting from a video game <laughs> rifle. It's like, okay, maybe Rick can get that out of a double-A, but it's not going to be rechargeable afterwards. I, I love that. Uh, It's just, it's so, like, I hadn't seen this episode in a few years, and it's Mm -hmm. so much fun to put it on and see him rampaging through that compound, and it, after a while, you just sort of accept, okay, it's, he's a pickle, and he's killing everyone, sure. Yeah, I remember seeing, uh, like, the animatic of that that they released at a Comic-Con. It was just a sequence of, like, him putting the final piece of the rat suit on, and then just tearing through the rats, and I'm like... Well, this is going to be like an interdimensional cable type episode where it's just going to be like the point is that Rick's a pickle and it's insane action. Um, I was really shocked that they talked on the whole kind of therapy subplot where as Rick is battling himself, his family is battling each other about the kind of emotional damage he's done to the family. And I I don't know. I, I just got an email from uh, somebody a couple days ago where it's like, gee whiz, Aaron sure loves his therapy because we were talking about uh, when it came up at a, a previous Pickle Rick or Pickle Me This episode. And I guess, yeah, like there's so few examples of therapy done well on television and, and movies. Like, you know, you had the 80s and 90s. Oh, it's a head shrink. I don't want a head shrink. It's, it's a little better now. But like this, 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 this Dr. Wong played by Susan Sarandon, Sarandon she just... Like they they set her up to be the next punching bag for Rick, and she doesn't like get defensive about the fact that he's smart. She just like takes him apart at a look. You're still a monkey, and you gotta maintain, you gotta repair yourself, and like there's no amount of smarts that gets you out of that. It's just it's such a well written scene. I can you think of anything else that's like kind of like this about you know like like actually shows what what a good therapist can do. I mean, there have been shows. There was a great show on HBO for a few years called In Treatment with Gabriel Byrne, and literally every episode was just a therapy session. I I think that's fantastic, especially the second season. But therapy is very hard to dramatize in in an interesting way. You're right about that. And Dan has talked about having been in therapy and having learned things about himself over time. And I remember seeing an interview around when the episode came out where he said, like, if I had written this a year or two ago, Rick would have had to have the last word in that session because I was still too cocky and too confident and you know, wasn't able to look at myself quite a, quite enough. And I think the therapy is re- like you have to have that uh, in the episode. It would still be a fun episode and really light and ridiculous if he's running around as a pickle killing all these cartel guys. But what makes it special is the fact that at the end of it, you know, Dr. Wong just picks him apart and says, look, you've just done this miraculous thing, but you also have all of these problems and you've done these things to your family. Because one of the things I sometimes struggle with the show, and I don't know that it's so much that the show itself does it 
as the fan base does it, and this is something it has in common with, with Breaking Bad, which was the inspiration for the episode, is there's a tendency to just look at Rick as a pure, awesome badass, right. and everything he does is great, and everything he says is right because he's so much smarter than everyone else, and therefore the show adopts his point of view, and you should adopt his philosophies too. And, and I think that Rick and Morty is smarter than that, and episodes like this show that know – Rick is a genius and Rick is also completely toxic and he is doing all of these terrible things to the people who care about him and who he should care about. And you need the one to balance the other. And that that's why I think this is just a great episode of TV. Yeah, I think in the commentary, uh, Dan was talking about that, where he said 50 percent of the time I want to be Rick. 50 percent of the time I think it would be awful to be Rick, you know, uh, and, and I, I find myself looking at even like um the interdimensional cable episodes that they do and they always have you know that that little bit of of nuance that little bit of personal interaction uh with the characters that you know even in an episode as silly as that where it's just Justin riffing on a mic for on a, for 20 minutes uh <laughs> about you, you know the doors fake doors that don't work right uh you Jan still Quadrant Vincent <laughs> <laughs> exactly you still have something to ground it something to bring you in uh, to this kind of storytelling hook that they have. And that's the thing that I appreciate about, about Rick and Morty. One of the things that I like in this episode, or not just this episode, but this episode reminded me that the show never really forgets about the fact that early on they did that one where they unleashed the plague that just conquered the entire world and Rick and Morty jumped to a new timeline and replaced the dead Rick and Morty from that and they abandoned Beth and, and Summer and, and Jerry to this you know hellscape apocalypse. And that could just be a one-off joke, but it's a thing that Rick keeps referencing, including here, as like, he's done really monstrous, awful things here. Yeah, and it's almost like he's becoming aware. That's what I like because, uh, you know, there's we, we've had a lot of, uh, you know, brilliant, difficult men type shows, and this is one of them. But in season three, it seemed like they are like, well, we're aware of that, and we're trying, we're taking steps to counteract the, you know, oh, fifth season uh what 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 do we do about walter wyatt or how do we feel about don draper like weird the show is going to show us how we feel about about that and and the fact that it's like i just as i was watching pickle rick you know at the controls of the helicopter explaining to jaguar uh who doesn't have infinite daughters how he's <laughs> like oh you know the whole concept of uh, familiarity breeding attachment i don't need that because i have infinite kids and uh, like Jaguar himself, like, okay, well, good luck with that. And like, there's something like where Rick almost realizes, uh, <laughs> in that reaction, like how badly he's lost or how like completely fucked up he is. And it's a really tough balance to maintain because the, the sociopathic aspects of Rick's personality are necessary to drive the kinds of stories that the show tells. Mm -hmm. And if he becomes actualized and if he matures and if he figures out like, no, I can't keep treating people like this then the show either has to stop or at least it has to fundamentally change in a way that I'm not sure anybody wants it to. But I do really appreciate that they've done stories like this that take a hard look at saying, yes, you think he's a badass and look at what he, you know, and all the havoc he wrought on, on these you know drug dealers or whatever they are, but also look at how much he's hurting his daughter and his grandkids. And this needs to stop. Yeah. I'm excited. Cause like that's, that's the interesting tension with seven more seasons of the show is how it's like they got a will will they won't they only <laughs> it's with Rick's emotional health right yeah uh, and I feel like that there's a there's room to do it like because because usually in therapy in film if it's depicted the depicted positively at all it's like a continuous climb up a mountain of health you know and in real life uh the process is you fall down a ravine and you get really pissed off and mad at yourself and lash out and then like oh but i do remember how to climb this mountain you start climbing you break your ankle like there's a little bit of that at like the end of season two where rick started mm -hmm. to open himself up to feeling the love of his friends attending his friend's wedding and then it was brutally punished by the universe by the, it, it just being the sting operation to arrest all him and his terrorist friends so now he's had this complete season relapse of being an asshole so they there's a way to do that realistically <laughs> yep. and correctly and and I'm, I'm 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 in for the seven season ride for sure yeah seven seven seasons is a lot um it is know, a lot anything. it but, is a lot and especially for something this high concept but I feel like, you know, Harmon, you know, having been around the block a little bit, 
he wouldn't have committed to this amount of time if he didn't have some kind of very specific plan that he feels is going to work. And hopefully it does. Uh, so, Alan, before we let you go, um, you know, as long term Baldmuth fans know, you've been super influential to like how we cover television and we're, we're big fans. So I just want to be a fan for a moment and ask you, what are you most excited about uh, television coming up this fall and, and early winter? The thing that I'm most intrigued to see more of is uh, Watchmen on HBO, which Damon Lindelof is adapting. Although adapting is maybe not the right word because it's not just a retelling of the comic book or, or the, the Zack Snyder movie. It's a sequel set in the present 35 years after the events of the comic. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've only seen a little bit. I'm not even really supposed to talk about opinions and stuff, but what he's doing is – in many ways a huge departure and in other ways like really really spiritually true to you know one of the favorite books i've ever read so and leftovers is my favorite show of the last 10 years so i want to see whatever he's going to do and hopefully this works out and you're preaching to the choir are, here that's the number one show for us this year too because of the leftovers yeah yeah, we, we loved what he did on that show. And like when we heard he was doing Watchmen, it's like, oh, my God, that's the perfect material. And you're never going to you're never going to do something that's going to make like Alan Moore what, happy and smile. Beneath no, his massive no, no, beard. no, no, no. But like this where it's like, you know what? That that material is sacrosanct. It happened. And it's th like I think that's the, the perfect approach, because now it's like, you know, you're telling a story on top of that story. It stands on its own. Um, I, I'm just incredibly excited. I can't wait for it. We just got the the, the, the air date, date October twentieth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, I'm celebrating a birthday that month, and I'm seeing Watchmen, the TV show. You get that's that's a nice present. <laughs> it is. Uh, Alan, we are incredibly thrilled to have you on the show. Thanks for coming and talking to us about this silly pickle Rick or Rick episode. Uh, where can where can people find you? Uh, I write at rollingstone.com all the time. I'm on Twitter uh, at Seppenwall. I'm on Instagram at Seppenwall, and I'm at Facebook at Alan Seppenwall. And we are all hoping for the revival of an Alan Seppenwall podcast coming, coming, coming. I'm, I'm hoping real soon. There are conversations now and then, so you never know. I'm my my mandibles are quivering with excitement. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, Alan. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Thanks. Take it easy, guys. Human music. I like it. Madman and father of Mad Max, George Miller, is back with another apocalyptic tale from the Australian wastelands. This time we're getting a prequel featuring the origin story of Charlize Theron's character Furiosa. Starring the Queen's Gambit's Anya Taylor-Joy in the title role, and the mighty Thor Chris Hemsworth as the warlord Dr. Dementis, Furiosa promises more high-octane, slightly radioactive action and fun. Furiosa drives into theaters on May 24th, and we'll have our spoiler-free thoughts and impressions of the film, as well as a discussion of trailers and upcoming movies for everyone. But if you want to ride with us the full-length of the podcast on the eternal highways of Valhalla, shiny and chrome, you're going to have to be a club member. Join today at support.baldmove.com. Get our full discussion of Furiosa and many more first-run films, plus tons of other bonus podcasts and ad-free feeds. Support.baldmove.com. All right, Jim, are you ready to plot to the future? Yeah, where, let's do it. Where we, 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 we can't do this many more times. we got about seven more times we can do this, but <laughs> until our portal gun runs out of future energy, we're going to open up a dimension to... Uh, a portal, rather, to Dimension BM77 to access behind-the-scenes details, trivia, and spoiler for future episodes. This com this So first off the bat, this uh, episode had two separate commentary tracks. Um, one with uh, um, the, the, the creative team behind R Rick and Morty, and another one where it's that plus they added Russell Brand. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about the, I guess, more conventional one first. One of the things that was interesting about this episode is Jessica Gao wrote this and she wrote Dr. Wong as having an Asian surname because she very strongly believes in Asian representation. But she was thwarted because Susan Sarandon <laughs> said that she wanted to be on Rick and Morty and the time frame she had, this was the character that needed a voice. Yeah. So you have a white woman 
voicing this a this ostensibly Asian character and how I think it's funny the creative tension in that led to Dan and Jessica creating this uh, podcast called Whiting Wongs um, hmm. which aired between season three and season four it's kind of uh, it's in hiatus right now but there's like 20 so episodes and uh, if you haven't heard it it's really good because it's essentially um, you know Dan and Jessica arguing about things about race and representation especially in Hollywood and you know, sometimes it gets really heated. Sometimes it gets contentious. It's a, it's sometimes a difficult listen. It's a challenging listen. <laughs> um, it sometimes will, you, you, some stuff will make you angry on either side of the issue. But it's incredibly valuable, I think, because it's two people that really love each other and they're trying hard in good faith to wrestle with some, 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 some difficult issues. Um, and if yeah. that sounds like it's up your alley, uh, check it out. Um, but uh, there's a couple of other interesting things like Dan falling asleep while he's writing this uh -huh. episode. And, and Jessica just kind of sitting there going, what do I do? Yeah, this guy's Dan Harmon. He just felt he's just passed <laughs> out. And look, I guess the response was just he'll he'll wake back up. <laughs> he'll, he'll wake back up. And <laughs> I can't and, imagine. I can't imagine what it's like to write with Dan. Yeah, it's it's got to be a, a great adventure. Yeah. I mean, also, like, I guess I would just poke him. I just wake him up. Yeah. You know, like he. he, he I I don't know. Like, wouldn't you? If this was like your boss and he's sitting there at the high and he's clearly exhausted, he just falls asleep. Like, I guess I would either poke him awake if we had to get this thing done that night, or uh -huh. I just see myself out and be like, "How long know, do you wait?" Hmm. If I'm seeing myself, and I don't, I don't think, I don't think you do. Because here's the other thing: is like, what asshole wakes up after like a two and a half hour nap at the keyboard and's like. I can't fucking believe so and so <laughs> left. Left, yeah. you know, like that's a conversation that needs to happen, you know. If if, if that's the way, yeah. I, I mean, roll. I think the night comes to an end at that point. Or if it can't, then you just say, "Look, I'm going to go home and write this. You get some sleep." Yeah, yeah. We'll 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 revisit, you know, in the morning to you know edit or whatever. But like, yeah, you gotta you gotta say, "Look, this is clearly not working." Um, I also like the idea that this um, this whole episode was born from a brainstorming session where they've been going for hours talking about, um, you know, different topics and thinking things, you know, just like no wrong answers kind of. And like it was break mm -hmm. time. And as everyone's getting up and leaving the room, Dan's like, and Rick's a pickle. Mm -hmm. And that like caught everyone's imagination. And they decided that like, that you got to commit to it. Like, okay, Rick's a pickle. Why is he a pickle? How is he not going to be a pickle? And this episode is the answer to that question. Yeah, it came across almost as like an exercise for Dan, right? Like mm -hmm. he just wanted to get out of his typical patterns of thinking. And so he throws that out mm -hmm. and it sticks. It, it, it strikes me as much more a Justin kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, but I yeah. think Dan was like, you know, flirting with those those styles T tapping into the Royland energy, yeah. the roiling Royland energy. <laughs> uh, Anthony Chung had a, a theory that kind of like floored the room and floored me. Yeah. Cause I'd never even thought of it before. The idea that pickle Rick is a stand in for Rick's like toxic masculinity. It's literally his dick. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's an anthropomorph anthropomorphized penis that, uh, he then construct, const constructs an elaborate edifice on and conquers the world with. I, yeah, and it's also the thing that he's using to, you know, avoid therapy. Like it's, it's, you know, that that toxic masculinity description is, in my mind, perfect. I can't believe. Yeah, it's it's so perfect that it's hard to believe that people didn't walk backwards from it because it's right. so perfect. Like this is all a bunch of action movie tropes, uh -huh. which is like very core into toxic masculinity. I mean, hell, I love these fucking action movies, sure. right? But yeah, also. I mean, I can enjoy it by and, and also say that the, the heroes of them are probably psychopaths uh -huh. if it were any kind of accurate depiction. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando, that guy yeah. in the beginning with Alyssa Milano is not the guy like tearing people's throats out and throwing yeah. people's off cliffs and, and, and throwing pipes through people's into a boiler. Like No, he's like special special agent, special services John Matrix, you know, he's like that's who he is. Yeah. In those moments, he's not splashed around with his. No. Yeah. It's 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 or if that is how it is, that that's that's going to be a fucked up relationship in about two or three years when she hits puberty. Anyway, <laughs> um, I thought that was really good. And I can't. I I just amazingly good. Um, I think that's all I have for that one. The Russell Brand, um, commentary was great because I think Russell Brand is a really interesting guy. Um, 
he, there's an, an alternate take on the whole pickle. Like this pickle thing is like this um, shape-shifting thing that can mean whatever you want it, apparently, because another way to interpret it is it's a creative struggle with self-abuse because he's literally pickled, you know, from alcohol. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was an interesting point. Um, and how, you know, in, in contrast to like we talked about the action movie motif where, you know, you always see Arnold or, or Sly or Van Damme, you know, ramboing their way through these situations. And uh, it's fun to see these like strong characters reduced to nothing and watch them do that. But then you don't get to see like the family drama that is a result of living with that person as a father or a husband right. or whatever. And this is the other half. This is the family in therapy trying to cope with the fact that, you know, Matrix, John Matrix is a crazy person mm -hmm. or John McClane is a crazy person. Yeah. Um, that would obviously not be caught dead stepping into a therapist office. Um, there's also this one point like, I don't think this has happened in the commentary before, but Russell Brand has straight up asked Justin Roiland to do like the voices jukebox, stop jukebox style. Uh -huh. I was thinking like, how is that an amazing feeling? to be able to bring that much joy to somebody with just a voice you do, or does that like haunt you at night? Like the fact that you're kind of objectified and. Oh, I, I, I have to like compare it to Aaron Paul after breaking bad, right? Where he would be walking down the street and people would just shout bitch at him <laughs> constantly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, or, or ask him to say it or, or just like, that's kind of what he became in people's eyes. I'm, in this setting, I think it was fine, right? Like mm -hmm. they're clearly among friends. It's it's a it's a one on one type of thing where they all agreed to kind of sit down and hang out. I don't think it's cool to do that stuff on the street. Yeah, and, and I don't know how it makes that person feel, but I imagine it's not good. Right. And I, I mean, it's super great because I was thinking like, okay, if you like, what is a situation where you can meet Justin and ask him to do that? Mm -hmm. But like, what do you what what do you get out of that? Like Rick and Morty, right? Can, and you've heard him do it a thousand times. I think I think it's almost like a magic trick where you yes. see this person that you're talking to, and he, they're not Rick or Morty, but then like suddenly Rick and Morty are coming out of him. Like that's the whole kind of magic trick to it. You almost want to verify that it is a human being that does this voice. Yeah, yeah, and also it's just a dissonance. Like that's yeah. Most of comedy is like what you expect to happen versus what actually happens, and the distance between that and seeing yep. this you know uh goofy white boy all these crazy voices coming out of him it's probably funny mm -hmm. um what's your preferred way of pronouncing jaguar i say jaguar don't do you don't do but i might want to experiment with the jaguar 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 uh it reminded me of have you seen puma man no this is this 1980 Italian superhero film. Oh, God, I bet a, it's amazing. About a man who has the this proportionate speed, strength, and eyesight of a puma. And it's terrible in all ways, but it stars Donald Pleasance, which is a very well-regarded actor. He's a knight. Uh, he's very distinguished. Uh, he plays Blofeld in, like, James Bond. like the Okay, know, uh, yeah. He constantly pronounced Puma Man as Puma Man. Puma? Puma Man. It's Puma Man again. I'm like, I... So is that like a Brit thing? They just throw U's where they don't belong when it comes oh, yeah. to exotic Color, cats? humor. Yeah. Oh. It's sprinkle the U's everywhere. Yeah. It's just like, it's like uh, when they get confused on syllables, they just throw in a U. Mm -hmm. Gives them extra time to think. It's a Jaguar, Jaguar, jag all right, R. That's, that, how, that's how we got soup. It was actually sop before. Mm. Uh, and then the Brits got a hold of it and... Hmm. Ute it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also Dan made a point or there's a lot of discussion about the whole infinite daughters and like what exactly is the dick move there? Because, you know, when when uh, Jaguar asked Rick, do I have infinite daughters? There's there's the implied kind of like, well, I'm torn up because I lost mine. And if I could have an infinite supply, could I have maybe one? And that's kind of like the equivalent of Rick with a Starbucks cough or saying, I'm going to go get Starbucks. And you ask him, Hey, could you get it too? And he's like, nah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, it's, it's an inconvenience for Rick. Yeah. And he doesn't want to bother. But Russell Brand had the point of like, but is it actually the ultimate kindness? Because one of the fucked up things about Rick is exposure to these infinite timelines has made him this warped person. Mm -hmm. So is it better for Jaguar to be this like torn up person, but still believe that he's a distinct 
person with his own agency and he's a unique special thing or give him a daughter and know that he has an infinite supply and now but he that, doesn't have access to them yeah that love is yeah. devalued yeah i don't know i i'm not ready to ascribe some kind of mercy or some kind of sensitivity in that regard to rick yeah so i i'm more inclined to think it's just him not wanting to put in the work of going to get one of jaguar's it's, daughters. it's certainly not an intentional mercy it might be an unintentional one like his his own it, yeah, his own it, laziness it could and, certainly be that. and and lack of regard for mm-hmm. uh, a kindred spirit uh accidentally spares jaguar from becoming a, a a shit on the magnitude of rick pickle me this is distributed by bald move in association with starburns audio it's produced by jason smith and scott porch from starburns and myself Ron, from bald move All music featured on this podcast is from the Rick and Morty soundtrack, available from Sub Pop Records. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To discover the many other great shows we do, please check out baldmove.com and starburns.audio. If you appreciate what we do and want to directly support us, consider joining our club at club.baldmove.com to get access to exclusive bonus audio and video features. Finally, you can follow us on your favorite social media at Bald Move. See you next time. Pickle, Pickle Rick! Rick!